Having said his goodbyes and having received in the process numerous hugs, young Trafalgar journeyed from Comar feeling already much older. The rains were gone, but they left a mist over the lands that felt cool on the lad's bare face. There was almost a skip to his steps, having been renewed with fair food and fresh water. He whistled quietly to himself as he ventured toward the eaves of Zanda. He was feeling himself quite safe that day, forgoing any vigilance he had felt just the day before. Norwimble, no wonder, would have found him rather lax, and the boy was prepared to receive a scolding when he next met with the curious old man. Trafalgar had more immediate problems, however, as the youth had been hiking for only a mere few hours when he came upon an impassable obstacle. His path crossed a footbridge which had been taken out by a landslide. The gulch over which the wrecked bridge once crossed was too wide for jumping. He had tried jumping a much smaller gap not long ago and had to be retrieved and mended, having twisted an ankle and the crevice ran along the plateau for some distance. A large region of the land surrounding had further been blanketed in thick, soft mud. Tom Curdy had taught the boy to study maps and how to survey land. To his right was a steep slope with wet, jagged rocks which would make climbing difficult. He would have to go around. Trafalgar knew his geography well, but he was uncertain which detour would serve him best. Circumventing the craggy hill would mean going back the way he had come, which he did not want to do. His paranoia had returned and he thought it was possible he was being followed. On the other hand, he did not know the extent of the gulch. He decided to follow along the crevice and try to jump at a narrow point. I am sure to be unrecognizably gaunt if I ever return home, he thought to himself. He also considered that it might be time for him to grow a beard. I will be more distinguished with facial hair. He ran his hands over his baby face and shook his head. Time is against me no matter what, he said aloud and resumed his hiking. From the edge of the gulch he could see down some 20 or 30 feet. Ruddy clay walls ran near vertically down, and such was the resulting illusion that the lad almost felt himself being pulled within. At the bottom, a sad trickle of water flowed in the same direction as his travel. It was but an echo of the once mighty current that had run through generations ago. Hello, he yelled down into the crack, hearing his echo return. It was the sort of thing no child could resist. As he walked, he kicked small pebbles over the edge, trying to see if he could hear them land. Twice, Frumpel landed on the opposite side and gave the boy a cryptic look with its fierce black eyes. But could I fly like you, friend? The boy said. As hard as he thought, he could not figure out if the bird meant for him to take some sort of specific action. Trafalgar continued walking for several hours, but the crevice never narrowed enough for him to leap over it. I cannot retrieve Palander if I am broken at the bottom of this fissure, he said, looking for the bird in the sky above him. After another hour of walking, the lad could make out in the near distance the ruined towers and battlements of Dark Hole.
A terror began to swell within his body, making him lightheaded and numb. Cold sweat poured over his brow. I did not realize how far west I had come. Although having laid tenantless for many decades, the overgrown fortification was the subject of many legends. There were many late evenings with the fire burning in his own hold, where he had listened with horror to tales spun by poets as the strings of their lutes were plucked. He would watch his elders' faces take on the hardened countenances of grim times as their minds ventured forth to battles of the past and loved ones lost. The dark hole known as Ilmir to its hideous owner, the infamous Frond Galme, and his army of brigands turned soldier. Within its depths is said to be a vast underground lake with lichen-covered caverned walls. And below the surface of this black lake is also said to be the corpse of Frond Galme himself, having been slain at last and placed to drown for eternity. Drabalgor had spent one terrible winter suffering the recurring dream of the foul corpse rising from the stagnant waters to clutch the boy. The dissolved creature moved slowly but ceaselessly toward him until he woke out of breath. I have gone the absolute wrong direction, he thought to himself. And yet my curiosity is as strong as my fear. The boy found himself moving down a slope where he saw the remains of a stone bridge with sufficient structure that he might attempt crossing if he found it to be secure. He placed one foot on the bridge and let part of his body weight fall upon it. There was the sound of stone grinding on stone, but the trestle did not crumble. He then shifted all of his weight onto the very edge where he slowly moved out toward the middle with the confidence of someone having thrown weirding dice, eyes closed. The bottom of the crevice seemed very far away and he felt himself moving toward it in his mind, but he took a deep breath, moving his feet cautiously over larger gaps and holding on to whatever was left of the railing, he made his way further. A bird called from somewhere, shaking his concentration. He paused before continuing. At the other end, he gave a leap and felt rocks roll out from under his feet. I was stupid to have tried that, he told himself. From where he stood, the dark hold loomed over the horizon. The sun was low in the sky. The boy had been walking all day. He approached the fortress using as much brush and tree for cover as he could find. Vines grew wildly over the huge stone curtain walls, and the gate itself was filled with thorny wild scrub. The moat was dry but deep. Again, the drawbridge was in tatters, yet there was sufficient beam for the lad to find footing and cross. His chest hurt from holding his breath so tightly for so long. He allowed himself to refresh his lungs when he was across, but the boy was startled by a squirrel which jotted out and ran off the castle wall as he approached. The inside looked black and grim. He could smell the dank, moist smell of mold. Ducking under the overgrown scrub, pushing his way through, the boy entered Dark Hole. His steps echoed. It was less whimsical than when he had called down into the gulch. He felt phantom eyes upon his person. 
The man trapped inside the gate was a mess of vines, broken stone, and the debris of war. Even in that dim light, he saw the black stain left behind on the stonework by burned oil. Beyond the gate was the outer enclosure. The inner bailey was a mountain of rubble. Fragments of armor, tips of broken blades, and cracked helms lay scattered about. Trafalgar explored the ruins, looking for a way under to the chambers below, and perhaps a way to that lake of terror. As he was rummaging about, he was stopped cold. To stay, stay still, robber, the man told him. The voice of the man was strained and stressed. Place your weapons upon the ground. Trafalgar merely stood still. Good sir, do not run me through. I am but a boy, Sorrel by name. I am not armed, not even with a spoon. I became lost, looking for my grandfather. The man sighed, contemplating the lad's story. There are no grandfathers here, child. There are no children either. Therefore, using logic, you are a liar. But I am a child. Are you lost of sight, friend? For a friend? There are no friends here. Can't you see a war ravages here? But I would be your friend should you not run me through. But in fact, the war is exhausted, man. Frond Galme was slain, his fiefdom undone. Are you lost of hearing as well? Nature has taken its course. People have moved on. The man seemed confused and frustrated by the boy's story. He moved out in front of the lad so that Trafalgar could see him more clearly. Soot and dirt covered the old soldier from helm to boot. His leather and chain armor was a mishmash of found items. The sword at his side was sheathed and a leather caked in old blood. He held a crossbow with both hands, the bolt knocked and ready to let fly. Trafalgar felt pity for this weary warrior. Truthfully, friend, said the lad, I was partially lying. My name is not Sorrel, and I am not looking for my grandfather. If you are going to assassinate me, you should know that I am Trafalgar, heir to Bogthir. Palander, the sword of legends, was stolen from me by the merciless Warlurk. I am headed to the eaves of Zonda to be reunited with my mentor, Narwimble the Vague. The confused soldier sighed. Oh, Warlurk? That, that fiend, but do you speak the truth? I've been down here down below the crypts, waiting on rescue. I, I come out in the evening to watch from the bro broken battlements. The man paced around. Oh, my, my, my friends call me Woony. I, I suppose my parents did as well. Once upon a time, I f time, I, I feel so much time has been wasted. I, I, I must return home to see who has survived. But, but will he remember this old fool? You are not a fool, good Woony. You are loyal to the end. Surely they will remember you and celebrate your return. Woony sat down upon a huge broken boulder and coughed. <laughs> well, I don't know. Trafalgar found the courage to approach the man. I do, 
and I would come with you to give you company. Of course, I must reclaim Palander and avert disaster. Ah, you, you're some sort of a cherub, I think. You're a miracle, but you make an easy target. I, I can't allow you to journey without my protection. If my fine lord should require my service, that is. The soldier bowed. You need not bow to me yet, Woonie. That time may come, but I would have you at my side. No one will protect me as loyally as you will. Well, then it is a deal, Woonie said, and the pair shook hands and smiled at each other. Come, let us hide away for the evening. I, I shall pack a bag and make us a fine meal of old rations. <laughs>